Hey everybody, welcome back to the Hunt with Deep podcast. As always, I'm your host. <laughs> I thought I said I'm your host, Perry. I'm your host, Luke, here with Perry. And today we have an awesome guest, our resident strongman, strength and conditioning coach, and probably the strongest dude on the team by far, Anthony. What's up, man? Hey, what's up? I don't know if I'm the strongest right now. <laughs> yeah, man. Now's the time to try to fight you. Yeah, man, I'm still pressing with one arm though, so you know, I'm going to look like one of those uh, arm wrestlers pretty soon with like the gigantic arm. Or what's that guy on Swamp People? Oh yeah, the dude, <laughs> the dude on Swamp People who's an arm wrestler. Yeah, <clears throat> I think it's like Jake Paul or something, his dad or something. He's got this huge bicep, skinny dude, massive bicep, just one though. Be trying out for a over the top remake. Yes, exactly. So that's that's what I'm about right now. <laughs> well, shit, man, you uh. You just got back from uh, the awesome country of, of Russia, huh? And that's kind of hot in the news right now with the, the cyber attack on the pipeline. <laughs> Dude, so. I know. I know. <laughs> well, Man, Russia was great. The people were really cool. Uh, it was obnoxious to get there because I was competing out in the middle of Siberia, which you, know, you think of Siberia. I just have images of like Rocky Four in my head, you know, like a cabin out in the middle of nowhere, very rustic. Like, no. But it was actually a, it was a first world city. It was great. Uh, it took like six flights to get there. Uh, it was absolutely crazy. So um, we get there. The people are. Um, one thing I notice is uh, I've noticed a lot of things. First off, you can still see the vestiges kind of of communism in the sense that like there's no happiness or joy. <laughs> like everything's so austere. We get off in the airport like airports in America are like malls, right? Like music's playing, um, you know, you, you got like just there's just this jovial sense of whatever you got uh, shopping and coffee and all that. No, man, like you go to Russia, everyone's like serious, deadpan. We finally get through, you know, customs and whatever else. And um, there's police, fully militarized police just walking up and down the uh the airport and they probably stopped us like six different times randomly be like, you know, look at your papers. <laughs> like, okay, we're here. We're here. Like, here's our visa. Here's this and that. So that was really interesting getting off the plane and being like, Whoa, okay. We're, we're in a different part of the world. Uh, but the people themselves are really cool. The Russian people are pretty sweet. Um, they definitely are like a healthier society. Of course, that's something I pay attention to just cause uh, I'm just, I'm just interested. They're McDonald's over there, dude, infinitely better than ours. Like the the quality of the meat. It was like one of the best burgers I've ever had in my life. And their fries, they serve like potato wedges. They're so delicious. Um, I was like, what in the world? Why am I so excited about this McDonald's? But we all thought the same thing. We're like, this is so much better than the U.S. Like we got to get it together. Um, but yeah, it was, it was pretty cool, man. Um, people were great. The, the contest, I mean, I could talk for hours about it. So I don't know if there's something specific you want to know. One thing I will highlight that I think was dope is that Russian people love Rocky. Didn't see that coming. Right. Everybody like, loves just, Rocky. Everybody loves yeah, Rocky. The, but, you know, I'm the thinking Russians Rocky the for, like this clash, you know, between these nations. And um, so at the after party on Sunday night. So there's this after party banquet they throw for us, which is like everybody's dressed to the nines and they're doing vodka shots like every 10 seconds. And everybody's there dressed. There's probably 300 competitors from bodybuilding, powerlifting, strongman, everything. And uh, towards the end of the night, they have like a DJ there. People were drinking, dancing, whatever else. And then they're like, it's time to get our American friends involved. And they roll out this cake. And it's a giant cake with the logo of the competition. And it comes out to Eye of the Tiger. 
the music is just dun, 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 dun. and like and the Russian people went nuts like everyone started singing along with it so I asked them our translator who was there and I was like man I'm not gonna lie this is kind of throwing me off like what's up with that and he's like well you have to think about it for young Russian people you know 40 or under Rocky is a symbol of freedom to them just as much to you because you know when the wall fell their lives got easier when communism fell you know, freedom came to Russia, even though their version of freedom today is still nothing like ours. It's, it's, you know, vastly different than it was under, you know, uh, communism. And so for them, Rocky is like, it's just a symbol of freedom and a symbol of liberty and prosperity and hope. And so I never would have guessed that. But yeah, man, they brought out Eye of the Tiger and uh, people went nuts. I was like, all right, I'll I'll roll with it. (laughs) That was something I actually wanted to ask you about because Obviously, Luke is a student of history. I'm I'm no formal student of history, but I've uh, I've done a fair bit of reading on the history of Russia and the history of communism. Back to Stalin and Lenin, find that stuff fascinating, especially given the climate that we're in currently here. And so, not to get too far off on a tangent from the topic at hand, but it is interesting to me that that that's still the history there still pervade, pervades the public, and coming from you know, yourself as, as an American, I was just curious what that was like for you. Well, yeah. And one thing too, that you noticed is, um, very little private property. So even in the large cities a first world country, and I mean, when I say first world, I was shocked, man, you got, you know, BMWs and Audis. And I saw a couple of Lambos, man, like in Siberia, right? So it was a first world city is pretty well to do, um, lots of high end vehicles and stuff like that. The buildings are all first, first world, everything else. Um, they're the one mall that they had there, I mean, would rival anything we had. But uh, but there's, like, no private property. Everybody lives in huge apartment complexes, you know. Back back under communism, I'm sure it was more project-like, and now, and now it looks nice. But the idea of – and when you think about it, too, it's not like communism, the wall falls, communism leaves, the USSR falls, and now all of a sudden there's just going to be freedom and prosperity. Like, that takes generations – you know, for people to climb out of poverty and to advance themselves and things like that. So I guess it should come as no surprise because I mean, the wall fell in, you know, I was, a, I was a kid, but you know, um, I don't remember it per se, but I was a toddler when, you know, the USSR fell. So really it's only been one generation. So it's probably going to take several. And again, there's still not the, you know, exact quintessential version of, of freedom as we would have here in America, you know, Putin has elected, uh, for life now. <laughs> so, so it's, yeah, they're more it's fascist than, than, than communist at this point. <laughs> right. Right. And so their people are healthier. I'll tell you that they <laughs> served us. I lost like 17 pounds while I was over there. Maybe I I am, man. Trip. Yeah, Dude, <laughs> well, they served only fresh food. Like you go down for breakfast and it was like all you can eat buffets, but it was just, tons of fresh meat like nothing came in a package dude fruits vegetables tons of fresh and smoked meat really good food but you couldn't buy junk food like you couldn't find it like it didn't exist uh so it was pretty interesting that was uh something i definitely noticed over there like in america if you go to a mall you gotta like look for fit people (laughs) right like you assume people are just like we're just out of shape over there uh i just noticed walking down the street walking in the airports or in their mall, if you saw an overweight person, it was like a rarity, a big rarity. So what were the demographics uh, in the competition? Was it 
was it just a mixture of people from all over competitors from all over? Was it, um, what did that look like? Yeah. So it was mainly, mainly Europe and Asia. Um, a lot of Russian speaking countries. So, you know, one thing Americans are totally spoiled because it's like everywhere we go, there are signs in English, like even in the middle of Siberia, there was Russian and then it had English translation somewhere. Right. So we weren't totally lost. Um, but most people over there, most competitors uh, were speaking Russian. But there was a lot of people from Kazakhstan, Uzbekistan, Lithuania, Latvia, Estonia, and all those countries represented. I want to say Poland. Um, yeah, so ma- mainly Europe and Asia. We were the only Americans there. Um, we had one guy from Brazil. He was pretty cool. Um, but yeah, so mainly mainly Europe and Asia. So give us a little background on this competition. How'd you end up in Russia? How'd you get invited? You know, what is this comp? Like, kind of give us the rundown on that. Well, it was pretty cool because, um, <clears throat> sorry, I was the only 105K, right? So, um, which wasn't a big deal. So originally it was supposed to be a team competition. And sometimes they do team competitions like Team USA versus this country versus that country. And a lot of times how they'll work is you get a team of four or five people. There's four or five events. Everybody kind of chooses and picks among themselves who's going to be the best at what event. You try to put together the best total point package as a team there you go right well with covid that's that was our goal but with covid there was enough people that pulled out so i didn't find out about this until i get over to russia um there was only like 14 guys which 14 guys makes a good competition but you, there's not enough for a team competition so they're like well yolo you're competing as individuals i'm like well i'm royally fucked because <laughs> i'm like 90 pounds underweight <laughs> so uh it was it was fun though. It was a blast going up against those guys. Yeah, I just got the opportunity because I know the um, the owner of Strongman Corporation in America, and she just said, "Hey, you want to be part of this team competition?" And I'm like, "All expenses paid trip to Russia, absolutely." And uh, so so I said yes. Got over there, found out it was going to be an individual competition, but man, it was so fun. It was uh, and I'm competing against three of the guys. Four of the guys there had competed at World Strongest Man. Two of them are competing this year at World Strongest Man. So, like, these are guys that they're absolute towering giants. And uh, it was amazing to just, you know, sure, did I get my ass kicked by them? Yes, I did. Did I have a blast doing it? Absolutely. Because, you know, I mean, well, Janashia, Constantine Janashia, the Georgian bull, he won the contest outright. I mean, he slaughtered everybody. But I beat him on the first event. <laughs> and and now, was it the heaviest? No, it was speed. I, I was faster than him. Right. Uh, I'm small. I should be faster than him. But it, but it was a blast. It was so much fun, you know, and these guys are, you know, cool, too, because they're not these like big swinging dicks. Like I'm this guy. They're, everybody was chilling. If you were an athlete, like, you know, everybody's giving each other tips and high fives and trying to be, you know, it was great. Everybody was a good sportsman. Rauno Heimlo was there. And this guy, Rauno is a freak. He probably is maybe an inch taller than me, but like. 380 pounds and he deadlifts uh he has a has a big old power belly but he can do a human flag he can do standing um uh, what you call it ab wheel like he can do a standing ab wheel and he deadlifts over a thousand pounds well just the week before he tore his bicep now he tore it from the shoulder up here so when you tear it proximally um you don't have to get surgery but it looks all gnarly he tore it the week before the competition his arm is like huge purple and everything else and he still loaded all the stones <laughs> that's crazy yeah and that's just it man there's another breed of just insane among these guys when it comes time to compete so um it was a blast being over there man it was an experience that uh i hope i get to go back next year if i do though i'm gonna try and go back a lot heavier 
lot stronger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I bet so. Or maybe actually get to compete as a team. Yeah, or get to compete as a team. But it was it was such a great time. Um, I uh, I definitely learned my lesson because um, I tried to drink with Russians. Doesn't go well. I did win a bet though. I did win a bet. Here's the problem, dude. I had, I don't know how I'm not dead or like in a hospital because um, I don't drink a ton. I'll drink several beers, a couple glasses of whiskey, and that's about it. And uh, I know this might sound crazy, but in my life, I've like never been blackout drunk. Just never have. Um, so I'm over in Russia at the after party. They do shots for everything. So we're all dressed up. And I probably had nine or ten shots of vodka and a bottle of wine at this after party over the span of three hours. So I'm feeling it, but you know, it's spaced out. But then I'm like, okay, well at six o'clock tomorrow morning, I got to be headed to the airport. It's probably 11 o'clock at night. They're like, you come with us. You, you come to a downtown bar. I'm like, whoa, it's late. They're like, no, you come with us. I'm like, okay. So we get into this uh, Russian Uber, just trusting them, drive for 45 minutes to this bar downtown. We get there and immediately they're buying us more shots. I'm like, great. Well, then the bartender is like, oh, Americans. He's like, you can't hang with Russians. And I was like, excuse me? <laughs> you know, so my ego gets the better of me. So he lines up 15 shots of vodka and a 20-ounce beer and says, if you can finish, gets his phone out, starts a timer and says, if you can finish this in under three minutes, I'll pay you the cost of this. But if you can't, you pay me. I did it in a minute and 30 seconds. Damn, and dude. That's <laughs> the last thing I remember just putting that my sounds head terrible. Down. I put my head down on the bar, and then I just remember my buddy Travis. He's competing at World's Strongest Man this year. I remember him helping me out and trying to help me into this Uber. And right before I get to the Uber, I just, like, I lost it all over the street. <laughs> then we get to the hotel. I remember him putting me in bed at, like, 3 in the morning. Three hours later, I got to be up. So then I remember him getting me up, getting me into the Uber to the airport. And I remember the flight from Krasnoyarsk, uh, Siberia all the way to Moscow, just feeling like hemorrhage hit. And I landed in Moscow. First thing I do is find a bathroom and just vomit again. And I had, thankfully I had an 18 hour layover in Moscow and I, I rented out one of those sleep pods. So I rented out one of those sleep pods for like $80 and slept for like 17 hours. <laughs> Got up an hour before flew through security and I was good to go, man. Once I landed in LA. <laughs> Damn man. That's so. crazy. That's a good story, though, man. Blacking Dude. out with uh, with some Russians, especially your first time blacking out. I think I blacked out on Saturday. So, <laughs> well, here's the sad part: is like I don't actually like I don't think I even really blacked out. I felt horrible, and so I put my head on the bar. I remember that, and I remember like either kind of falling asleep ish, like my head on the bar. And I remember Travis helping me. Out. I remember being irritated at myself because, like, I get mad. I don't like to get drunk. I like to get tipsy and a little buzz, whatever, but I get pissed when I don't have like control of my faculties. And I was getting so irritated because I'm like, that's the door. And those are the steps. And it was like, I couldn't do it. I'm like, <laughs> like he had to help me. And I was trying so hard. I'm like, okay, right foot up, left foot up. <laughs> I'm like, I'm falling all over the place. So I'm getting pissed off. I'm like, why did I do this? This is so stupid. And the whole flight from Siberia to Moscow, I'm like, I feel like shit. Why did I do this? But, you know, made for great stories, I guess. Oh, yeah. Definitely worth it. Definitely worth yeah. it. So how did you, like, was there overall placing or did you, was it just kind of just hanging out? I came out? second to last. But oh, it was, really? Yeah. You were 90 pounds underweight, not knowing anything about the Yeah, but, I mean, to be honest, though, I said a bunch of PRs. Like, it was it was a contest built for giants. And I was a tiny dude there. And the guy, um, Mikhail Shivlyakov, and, um, oh, I'm going to mess that other guy's name up. 
um doesn't matter the the main guy who was emceeing it kept making a big deal that i was one of the smallest guys there and um yeah it was a blast i mean like i didn't come last on i came last on one event the others you know um a couple of them i did really well the pressing event i did really well because i'm a presser um i'm so thankful it was supposed to be this block press into an 800 pound yoke i hate running yokes and they changed it last minute and it was this 400 pound shield carry this concrete block basically 400 pound concrete block on the ground you had to pick up and walk for like 50 feet after pressing a 220 pound block over your head for a couple reps well the block press was cake i did that super fast and we were all struggling like how the hell are we picking this 400 pound block up because a lot of times if you have a block carry or for like it's off of a platform or something so you have a little bit of it we'd like get it off the floor and um, I watched the first two guys go struggling and just they couldn't do it, but they were all trying to get underneath of it kind of horizontally. So I took that block and stood it up vertically and kind of got down as low as I could and just hoisted it up. And so I was able to I was able to be the first one to finish it. And so then all the other competitors were like, oh, that's awesome. That's the way to go. Of course, that's what everybody did. You know, some of the bigger guys did it faster. But it was fun uh, just being part of that. Um, the stone series was stupid. I mean, the first platform was above my head. And so, like, the first stone was 280 pounds, which is a very light stone for a strong man. But over my head, I basically had to press it. So what I normally do for a high platform is I'll shoulder it. I'll put it on my shoulder and kind of set it in there. So I shoulder the stone, and I go to set it in there, and that wasn't high enough. I dropped the stone. So I got it back in my lap, and I went as high as I could, and I literally pressed and sent the stone in the platform. And so I think... I didn't try the last two stones because of my back, which my back's 100% now. Uh, but it was still pretty tweaked there from herniating that disc a couple weeks prior. So, but I but I sent a 375 stone to like my eye level. So it was definitely a height and weight PR for, you know, a stone to like up here. <laughs> That's wild. That's so high as hell. It was nuts though because they value strength over there so much more than the U.S. Like we're a team sports country basketball football soccer whatever baseball dude after the well first off we we performed we lifted in front of thousands of people it was nuts like whole families came out they're buying tickets kids are cheering when we got done i waited i had to stay around for an hour there were lines of people wanting pictures with us especially the americans it was really weird because we just don't value strength as much in this country individually and um you know, over there though, strength, powerlifting, strongman, wrestling, martial arts, all of it is up here. And so, um, and in fact, it's so commonplace. Everybody has to compete. They call the word they use for any sort of physical discipline is called sport. And so, like they'll they'll talk about how they go to school, they go to university, they study X, and I do X for sport. Like everybody has to do a sport. It could be bodybuilding, it could be power to thing, could be whatever. And so the, the common question was, you know, what, what do you do for sport? Well, strong, mine is strongman. Theirs might be bodybuilding. Theirs might be X, Y, and Z. But everybody is athletic in some way. And That's have cool. You, have you heard of Putin's uh, initiative to be the strongest world's uh, the strongest country in the world? No. Yeah. So he put out a thing. I, I heard about this. Like. He wants his people to be physically the healthiest and literally the strongest nation in the world. Like dominate the Olympics, dominate all of it. So when COVID happened, 
literally every city built tons of outdoor gyms. And when I say gyms, I mean legit gyms. Like they have jungle gyms everywhere and everything's kind of Smith machine style, but the way they made it, I wish I would have taken pictures. It's like you can slide weight plates on and off so they can't steal it basically. But like there are literally gyms outside where you can load like 700 pounds on a back squat. And like, which I'm thinking liability because some 14 year old kid comes up there and just crushes his spine, but you know, whatever it's Russia. I don't think there's liability in Russia. Yeah. Like they have full on gyms, man. Um, they just like, the athletic, they, they value physicality. I think that's common a lot of places elsewhere in the world as well. Because I remember when I was in Spain, I went to uh, Pamplona during San Fernando and ran with the Bulls, uh, my buddy Andrew and I. And <clears throat> during that, what really struck me was how on every block, there's an outdoor playground, like a, like a big one for the kids. Not like the ones we've got here now that are like super safe and fucking mommy proof and everything like these are like full-on like the old school where you hang upside down and swing and every single one of them was packed with kids at all hours of the day like even at like 10 o'clock at night the kids are out there playing and then like their food they're for like the me and andrew are pretty big guys and like we'd have to order like 15 portions to try to get enough you know every time we're ordering food because they eat like birds over there but like everybody's thin they're small and there's just a lot less focus on you know these massive portion sizes and it seemed like there was a bigger focus of like being outside and all that kind of stuff than what we've got well like you say the word focus they probably don't even think about it it's just cultural like we have to when you think about it like what a blessing that we live in such a world where we actually have to think about our health and fitness like you know as a society you're you know you're you're living large when like you actually have the privilege to be like dang i have way too much I overconsume over there. It's just, that's a way of life for us. We have to like, think about, well, did I get my cardio in? Am I eating too much? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Here we've got, we've got professional sports teams and professional athletes, you know, doing these things like the play 60 initiative, just trying to get kids to spend an hour doing something borderline physical a day, because we've got kids that don't even get an hour worth of physical activity in it yeah. all. Yeah, I have Amazon Fire tablets for my kids, um, which are great on long road trips. Um, and they freak out when there's no internet and stuff. I'm like, when I was a kid, we played with sticks. And like, what'd you do in long drives? I'm like, we looked out the window. We played the ABC game. We drew, right? Or we just shut up. Like, I don't know. Um, that's what we did. And so um, I have a rule in my house, the same thing that my dad had when I was a kid. If the TV electronics are not allowed to be on so long as that sun is up. If it's raining, fine. Like if it's raining and cold day and the kids can't go outside yesterday, it rained was overcast. I let them bust out their pads and they played on their pads for a while, you know, but today was beautiful. It was gorgeous. And, uh, you know, I'm getting the garden ready and everything else. And we're getting chickens and doing stuff. So I had those kids out there pulling weeds with me working outside. Like, like, dad, we want to put our pads. I'm like, no, it's 65 degrees and the sun is up. And uh, my son's like, I see him in here at lunch. He's trying to sneak his pad. I'm like, he's five years old. I was like, Gresham, I will snap that thing in half in front of you. I'm like, put that sucker back. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, we definitely have a problem, uh, I think, in this country right now with all the technology. And it's it's awesome, right? Like, I've got buddies that play a lot of video games, and they're still active and fit. So it's not to say that it's, it's not an either or. It's a balance. Oh, we've yeah. just slid in the in the wrong direction. I think some of it's lazy parenting because it's so easy to hand them the iPad. It's so easy to put them in front of the video games or put them in front of the TV. 
and you know it's it's a fucking problem and it's Dude, manifesting it's tempting, itself. You man. see it in our it's, kids yeah. as they grow up oh i get it man it's so tempting when i got stuff to do and like my oldest and youngest they fight constantly they love each other but my gosh my oldest is a eight-year-old girl and then my youngest is about to be five and he doesn't like to be told what to do and my daughter likes to mother everybody and be bossy and they just fight like cats and dogs all day, but not when they have their pads. And it's like, when I want to get something done, the temptation to be like, here, drown yourself in that is so high. But I'm like, no, can't be doing that. That's not that's not the kids I'm raising. Because like you said, though, anything can become a problem. You know, I know plenty of people who play video games and they keep it disciplined and it's inside their space. It's their little stress relief. It's what they want to do. I can't. I can't because I know myself and I'm a very addictive personality. When I got married, I got rid of all my video games because I would... Like, once I start a game, I'll be obsessive until I beat it. Like, I can't handle it. But some people can handle it, so it's not, you know. Yeah, I'm the, kind of the same way. Like, I either, like, sit down on a game and I'm, like, 20 minutes in. I'm like, all right, I'm done. I got to do something else. Or I remember, like, I've never had a video game console. My dad never let me have one. Didn't want to get one, you know, as an adult. But I remember one of my roommates in college, had he had just gotten that game Skyrim. Yeah. And I sat down on that thing, like, right after we got done with, like, PT information and stuff. And I had class and everything all day. I sat down. It was like 7 a.m. right after we got done eating breakfast. And I just started playing. And, like, he came back after all his classes were over at, like, you know, 4 p.m. And was like, bro, have you moved? And I'm like, no, but I joined the Dark Brotherhood. And like, <laughs> I was like, all right, man, maybe I shouldn't play this fucking game. Yeah, dude. So there's this game in uh, 10th grade. So my sophomore year. So this is like 2002. <laughs> Uh, it's called Kings of Chaos. It's like this online strategy game. And of all things, my English professor and homeroom teacher got me and like eight other guys involved in it. And it was like age one of this thing. And every like 90 days, a new age starts. So you have like 90 days to play this game. It's multiplayer across the world. And just out of curiosity, I found a notebook or something from high school the other day when I was cleaning out stuff. And I saw my old username and password on there and I logged in and it was still in there. And apparently, like, my account has been going since 2002. And so every age, like, you rack up so many coins. Well, I had, like, billions and trillions and trillions. Of, so I sat there for, like, five hours. And I'm like, I'm ruling this age. And like, I'm like, it's been 15 years. <laughs> it's been 15 years since I've logged in. And all of a sudden, it, like, sucked me right back in. I was like, I got to be done, man. I got to, like, I deleted my account. I'm like, I just about got sucked back into a world. It was like Jumanji. <laughs> That's how Perry and I used to be with that uh, game Age of Mythology and Age of Empires. We used to play mm. the shit out of that. Oh, Age yeah. of Empires, yep. Dude, I, I would hate to think how many hours I lost of my life to, to that game and a few others. I, I came to the same realization, man. When I when I got married, started having kids, started deciding it was time to focus on uh, the professional side of things. And I was like, I, gotta, I just got to cold turkey get out of this because yep. it's sucking up way too much of my time. And it's not productive. You never you – never, get up from one of those long binge sessions and feel good about, you know, yourself, feel good about what you have just been right. spending hours of your time doing. So it was, it was the same thing. And I haven't, I haven't touched it in a long time and I don't regret it a bit. Yeah. Now I got two cousins, my cousin, Michael, and my cousin, Jeffrey, both of those guys are super successful. Awesome dudes. They play video games all the time, but they, they control it. You know what I mean? They have set windows of times when they play. And then when it's time to work and you know, that both of them are awesome dads and you know, my cousin Jeffrey, um, I don't, he does something with the military. I don't know what he does, um, but he's, he's in Jersey. He hates it. <laughs> um, you know, my cousin, Michael, he was a border guard for a lot of years and now he's got his own business. 
and uh, you know, both successful dudes, they, they play video games, but again, they know how to like just stop when it's time to stop. And then, you know, I don't possess that skill. He tried to get me into uh, bow, um, bow fishing recently. And I'm like, I can't do it. I'll get addicted real fast. <laughs> I went out with him a few times. Last time we went out though, he, uh, he dropped his, uh, he dropped his 40 caliber in the, uh, in the water <laughs> and we spent, uh, two and a half hours on our hands and knees and finally found it. Good Lord. <laughs> found it Golly, in the man. Yeah. We found it in the river cause we knew exactly where it happened. We kind of hit, like, hit, we hit like a, 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 just a big floating uh, log or something like that kind of jostled us. And I was like, dude, and I remember him kind of falling back. I'm like, dude, that's where it went down. It went down in this region, like right here. So we're just taking trips down the river, coming with our hands on the on the bottom. <laughs> he found it. <laughs> that's crazy. That's like uh, when I was elk hunting this year, my buddy Victor and I, we were up um, with another fella, and we were coming back down off the mountain. We were going to go somewhere place else. And so we were we got back to the trucks, and we were kind of downloading all the gear, you know, relaxing for a little bit, probably cracked a beer because we've been up on the mountain for about two and a half days. And uh, we we leave, go down the trail, uh, get back to the little town that's around there, and there's like a little diner, and we go to the diner to get a hot meal before we go back up to this other mountain. And as we're leaving, or we get to the next place that we're going, he looks in his uh, the waist, you know, the holster he's got on the waist belt of his his ruck, and he's like, "Dude, my pistol's not here. Like somebody, oh. somebody had to have taken it." And I was like, "Man, like." That doesn't make a lot of sense. We started thinking back and I was running through all these scenarios, like how, you know, how, how much time were we not with the truck and all the gear versus inside? Cause it was still, it was COVID. So we had to go in and order and then come back outside. So there been wait for the food. So it wasn't that much time. I was like, man, I don't think that happened, but like, you, you got to call, like call the County, you know, police and the sheriffs and let them know that, you know, you think your pistol got stolen. Right. So he calls, it was a, a female police officer answers the phone and she's like, is it a Glock 19? And he's like, uh, uh, yes, it is. And she's like, did you lose it in vicinity of this mountain? And he was like, uh, yes, I did. And she was like, can you give me the serial numbers? Well, he couldn't, he didn't have the serial numbers written down anywhere, but I told him, I was like, Hey, look at the box. Have your wife look at the box and then, you know, call you back. But he had peeled off part of the sticker. So he only had the first four serial numbers, but he gave her those. And she was like, Oh yeah, somebody turned it in. And so what had happened was in the, I'm an idiot because I was riding behind him and I had seen something fall off his tailgate, but like, I, I, you know, I thought it kicked up some mud or something. And I was like, as as soon as he told me that, I was like, dude, I saw your Glock. What happened was before he dropped the tailgate, he had set the Glock on the rear bumper, then set the tailgate down. So then he didn't see the the pistol, jumped all the gear, you know, we cracked a beer or whatever, and then threw it up, took off. And, but some lady or somebody found it and called the cops and turned it in. Good on them for doing that. Yeah, that's crazy. That's kind of crazy. Yeah, my dad expected had a truck broken into, and all of his uh, tools stolen, and uh, had a Sig nine thirty eight in there stolen as well. Well, Caleb this year had that's right team member Caleb. Uh, he had yeah. one of the Texas fellows from those very fun podcasts. <laughs> he had his truck broken into. They took, I think it was a rifle from his grandpa. Another deer rifle he had. He literally had all of his hunting gear in there because he had just gotten back from his camp. Uh, his bow, all of his clothes, like everything was, every bit of hunting gear he had was there. He had like gotten home 
went inside. I planned to go back out there later that night. And they broke in there at like 9.30 at night and stole all the shit. That's crazy, man. I don't understand that. I don't understand people. That's just, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's... He never found any of that, did he? No, not that I'm not that I'm aware of. Luckily, insurance, I think his insurance covered a lot of it. And then the difference, a lot of folks, uh, you know, donated some money to him and he was able to get all of his shit back. But like, yeah, it's, the, I mean... The sucky but, part's the sentimentality, though, like the, yeah, the rifle from the grandpa. You know what yeah, I'm saying? he's never like, going to get that back. Right, that sucks. Unless he finds yeah, it in a couch that's, somewhere, that's, that's right, Barry? Yeah, uh, yeah I was going to say, I remember you telling me that story. <laughs> yep. Yeah, we, we thought we misplaced uh, our old thirty thirty. It was a gun my dad had picked up when he was a young man, if not a teenager, and he killed his first deer with it. It was a you know hand-me-down um, kind of heirloom gun. Evan and I both killed our first deer with it. And just a cool, cool old gun, nothing, nothing special, nothing fancy, but you know, like you said, that sentimental value. And we ended up misplacing it for a long time and <laughs> turns out it had fallen down into like the frame of one of our old couches that we had at, a, up at our hunting camp. And Luke was hauling that couch off to get rid of it and just happened to kind of be going through it and notice uh, the little, I think it was a little piece of the, the hammer, the metal no, I stuck up. my hand. I was reaching down deep inside of it to look for shit. I pulled out, I mean, so many knives, bullets. I mean, you got to think that couch was there for seven, eight years in our hunting cabin. So all the shit that got wedged down, I happened to like go in even deeper to where like my hand kind of went up and under and I felt the hammer and then part of the, uh, the, uh, the, le- the lever action. And I was like, I looked up at my uncle, uh, Perry and I's uncle who was there with me. And I was like, holy shit. And somehow he was, he guessed it. He was like the thirty thirty, And I was like, yeah, <laughs> pulled that thing out. It was all rusted. It'd been in there for like seven, eight years. And dude, we had ripped that cabin apart multiple times trying to find that damn gun. I mean, we thought it was gone. We thought someone must've just walked off with it because uh, That's nuts. we couldn't, we couldn't figure out what had happened. We had tore that place apart. All three of us, our uncle Lance. I mean, we just, and no one had ever found it and for Luke to just stumble upon it. So we ended up getting our, our gun back, but. Yeah, good thing you found that, too, before you probably sent that to a burn pile. Yeah. That was exactly where I was going. I was going to burn it that night. I'd have found that burn-up Hulk sitting there. Oh, that would have been just heartbreaking, too. I'd have been sick so to my stomach, so man. Far. I'd have so buried it and never like, told you, you guys. Do <laughs> you, guys, you guys restore that piece? Do you get it, like, re-blued? And, yeah, so, re-blued? yeah, that's the plan. We're going to have to have the the uh, the sites worked on a little bit, and it's going to have to be re-blued. It's got a little bit of surface rust so it, it needs a little bit of tlc but we're gonna try to find someone who can fix it up for us and, and i'm i'm looking forward to it i'm hoping now we got it back that hopefully my son someday can kill his first year with it so that's awesome that's super yeah. cool you always like the happy endings of those kind of stories <laughs> they're few and far between yeah they really are yeah, you hope with caleb that some idiot tries to you know pass that off or pawn it or do something stupid and it pops up but you know unfortunately a lot of times those people were just out for themselves and they just probably kept all his, you know, all the gear for themselves. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Hopefully it was a crackhead who's trying to sell it and they can, you know, track it down, but it's yeah. kind of a good point. And it's something that I need to do. And I keep meaning to do after like Victor didn't have his cereal. And then I don't know if Caleb had all his or, or not, but you know, everybody, obviously, obviously this is a hunting podcast. Most of the listeners probably have guns. It's the kind of take some inventory of what you've got, log it down. You know, if you're worried about the, the government, you can just write it down in a notebook or something, but just have a log of all your weapons, you know, the models makes models and the serial numbers. And that way, if they are stolen, you can get those numbers out there and, 
and hopefully get your shit back because it, it's getting more and more common. Guys, you know, breaking in, especially, um, you know, with COVID and times getting hard, people get more and more desperate. And it's just, I think it's something that's kind of been on the rise of late. Yeah. I mean, and Caleb, he kind of lives out in the country, doesn't he? No, he, he lives in a neighborhood um, oh, okay. in Houston. In Houston. He, he's got some family land that's out in the country that he goes, goes out to. He's just a country ass looking dude with his mullet. <laughs> I was gonna say it'd be hard to uh be hard to imagine anybody breaking in out here where I live. I mean, it's my my neighbors across the street are Amish folk. Um the guy over here is a Vietnam vet, and the guy over here is his son. They're both I mean, they probably have enough guns on their own, and other than that, it's Amish people and you know my front door is unlocked half the time. <laughs> well, that's I go back home and I'll try to get into the house and like every damn door and deadbolt, so I'm like Dad, what the fuck are you afraid of, man? You live at the end of a, you know, two mile road yeah, in the middle yeah. of nowhere. Like, and you've got, we'll just say he's taken care of if anything happens. Like, you know, like, yeah. what, what the hell are you afraid of, man? You got a single point of entry, single point of exit. You couldn't have a more secure road. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. My parents were over and I was talking to my dad about it. And uh, my dad has a few guns, nothing crazy. But I was like, dad, you got to step your gun game up. And I was like, you know, I have a gun within, you know, 10 to 20 feet of me at all times in this house. He's like, you do not. I was like, reach your hand right up there above the fridge. <laughs> he pulls down that. Like, okay, go over here by my desk. <laughs> like above, behind my diploma, there's this in my bedroom. There's like a shotgun, you know, an AR. I'm like, you, everywhere we're at in the garage, downstairs. And I was like, listen, if I'm not here and Lynn's with the kids and they're downstairs watching a movie and she hears something upstairs, it's funny. She knows where to go downstairs and she has something to you know, keep her safe, put her in the fight. If she has to go upstairs and engage something, so like, you got to step those numbers up. <laughs> yeah. You need a, you need a couple different ones. That's for sure. Mm -hmm. I, uh, I just built a couple new ones after the election. I was like, ah, I figure he's going to probably go after some stuff and I wasn't wrong. So no, you weren't. I have this, uh, I have this, uh, Everly stock backpack, the, the little switch made for, and it's got like a concealed carry thing and I can put yeah. my, my AR that folds in there. So it fits in my backpack, Hell but yeah. uh, I take it when I fly a lot. Well, it's got a little pocket for a concealed carry, and I have this, um, I have this little Ruger LCP three eighty. I just throw it in there, like when I'm hiking or whatever. I just kind of I forget about it to be perfectly honest with you because I don't ever do anything with it. And I'm so glad I stuck my hand in there right as I got to the airport, and I was able to give it to my dad because I'd have been pissed if I got to security and they like confiscated that or I got in some kind of trouble. So because they did that with. Uh, had a really nice Leatherman, and I forgot it was in my bag on the way to Russia, and they confiscated it. Damn. Super pissed. Well, and they have a UPS thing, like, right there where you can mail stuff to yourself. But they were out of pens. They, did, they didn't have, like, the right form or whatever, and I was going to miss my flight, and I was like, fuck it, just throw it away. Damn. <laughs> yeah, it sucked. That TSA guy definitely reached down in that trash can. Oh, 100%. He was like, sure, sir, I will put this in the trash can. Sets it there underneath a piece of paper, you know. Yeah, it's whatever. weird what they like look at and what they don't look at. Like, I got I was flying down to Texas. I didn't have any weapons, but I had. Uh, I was flying only carry. I like to only fly carry on if I'm not taking any weapons and uh, or any knives. I just checked a cooler and uh, I was uh, flying down there. I had a pair of nods, like night night optical or night vision, yep. for the pig hunt, and uh, they were in there. <laughs> And they like made a big deal up until I talked, like told them what it was and they saw it and they're like, Oh, those are, those are really cool. And they just like gave them back. But honestly, I was kind of nervous. Like, I don't know if you can put nods on your, 
carry on like what's that you know like it's yeah, like a I camera i guess like i don't know they didn't care but they were just weird about it at first and i looked at it and they were like oh no you're good if you ever uh so i fly to train with different people and uh blackstone labs pre-workout called total war gets flagged every single time for explosives <laughs> like, <what? laughs> pre-workout powder something in mammoths would be a good pre-workout powder i like it it makes me feel amped up and ready to rock and roll but it gets flagged every time they will pull me aside do a full pat down they're like looking at this they get their manager over there and they're like look i'm like i'm telling you i drink that it's fucking sounds like a marketing campaign filled with cordite yeah, <laughs> yeah man so like oh well yeah uh they don't ever check um i mean like i've flown with thankfully they don't check weed pens or anything like that anymore they don't care if their dogs don't care i'll fly with i'll just i'll just put like my weed in my, <laughs> my checked bag then <laughs> nobody cares they'll look through they'll come through and be like what is this pre-workout powder is this an explosive and like my pens are sitting right there in my toiletries and my eyes are big i'm like oh shit and they're like no, nope, this all looks good to me. I'm like, sure does. <laughs> looks good to me too. Yeah, I don't think they care a lick about that shit anymore. They don't. It's going to be legal everywhere soon. Everybody I know from, I mean, obviously in Colorado, like if you're not in the army, you probably partake. And yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, you can. even half the guys, in, or part, some of the guys in the army partake. They keep getting chaptered out. It's like a big deal on Carson. <laughs> we do a lot of piss tests. You know, I actually didn't, I never really had any interest in it, honestly. And I don't. I don't really get baked or anything. I just, I got put in the hospital three years ago for cytomangliovirus. So what it is, is I started, when I started working for Amazon, um, it was a good job and I didn't want to be the guy calling in sick every day, but I had these like low grade fevers. I felt like shit. What's going on? It went on for a month, like a month every day. No joke. I would get like a 99 to hundred degree fever, just enough to make you feel like ass. And I just did not want to be that guy. Right. So I was taking Tylenol. And I was only taking the daily max, but I wasn't taking any more. Well, I went and got my blood work done. They called me back like, Mr. Deal, go to the hospital right now. You're like basically in kidney and liver failure. I'm like, well, that's not great. So we rushed to the hospital. They do all these tests, everything else. Turns out I had cytomangular virus, which is basically a cousin of mono. No big deal. It just kind of has to run its course. But Tylenol, because I was taking Tylenol for so long, uh, it was shutting my liver and kidneys down. And so... Like, and CMV will raise those levels. I mean, it can be permanent, you know, to some degree. So as a strong man, I'm always sore. I'm always, you know, he always got like a knee ache in this, that, and the other. And I'm like, uh, since since I got put in the hospital from Tylenol, I haven't taken it in. Said, I'm like, nope. You know, my bicep surgery, they wanted to put me on oxy and hydrocodone coming off the surgery because it hurt. I'm like, nope. I'll puff some weed and take a nap. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not putting that crap back in my body. Not going to happen. Yeah, I refuse all narcotics. Um I won't take any. I fucked my back up a couple years ago. I wouldn't take it. The only time I think I did actually take it was when uh, I got PRK, the eye, eye surgery, and I didn't take it for like two, a day and a half. And then like it got the pain was pretty shitty, so I finally yeah. broke down and took one. But it's scary. I mean, you see, you know, guys yeah. will be fine, and then they'll take it for two weeks, and then they're hooked. Like you just don't know how your body physiologically is going to react. Yeah, for me, I don't know that I was worried about that so much. Uh, more so the health ramifications, you know, uh, and I'm not sitting here saying weed's healthy, but I just, I don't smoke it all the time, maybe twice a month. Yeah. You know, and, and it's usually after like a really, a, maybe a really brutal squat day or something in my patella tendonitis is just flaring in my bacon and most guys would drop 1200 megs of ibuprofen. I'm like, nah, I'll just take a few hits of this. The worst side effect is I down a large pizza and a box of cereal. 
<laughs> a carb loaded for the next day. <laughs> yeah, it, it's kind of wild when you think about it that that it's still illegal. I mean, you, you have a lot of thoughts on it, but I, I think really it comes down at this point. It's solely money, right? There's a lot of people employed because the fact that it's illegal. There's a whole prison industry, law enforcement industry, yeah, the war of drugs yeah. created a massive industry. It's just like the war on terror did as well uh, on the military side. So like there's a lot of funding and a lot of money that has to do with keeping weed illegal at a, at on, yeah. the, on the federal level. I totally agree. That's a whole, you, you could do a whole podcast on that. <laughs> oh yeah. I probably need to do, get a, do a little homework and research to brush exactly. up on a lot of shit, but yeah, we definitely could. We could talk about a lot of that stuff. You did mention your uh, bicep tear there, Anthony. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about that. Cause I know Luke, obviously we we've hit on his, uh, recent injury with his quad that he had a little while back. Tell us about what happened with your bicep there and what your road to recovery is. Yeah. Like. So, um, so I came back from Russia and it was the first Saturday back. I was getting ready for a clash on the coast, which took place last weekend. And, um, I was cleaning an axle. So you just clean it up to your stomach, get it to your chest, press it. And a weight I had done 1 billion times. I was actually feeling really good because my back had, had herniated a disc like two weeks before Russia. So I was focused on my back, get my back straight. And coming back from Russia healthy and not injuring that. And I did. I came back from Russia, felt good. First training session back, I'm like, man, this is awesome. I feel great. My back is good. This is going to be a fun day. I go to clean 330 pounds and literally just felt like a rubber band snapped in my arm. And I lost power and just dropped the axle. And I looked over, my buddy Mike is standing there and his eyes were big. I was like, bro, did I just turn my bicep? He's like, yeah. And I think the weirdest thing about the whole thing was it didn't hurt. Like I braced myself for pain because I'm like, I'm looking down and my muscles rolled up into my arm. Like there's just weird deformity and it, it's not hurting. It just, it was the weirdest internal feeling of a snap. And I guess because there's not a lot of blood flow or nerve endings in your tendon and it pulled from the bone. So it wasn't a muscle tear, it was a tendon rupture. And so, but I, I don't know, this is new to me. So it's very interesting. It didn't hurt at all. That's crazy. I was actually, weird coincidence. I was actually just talking with a guy the other day who used to do a whole lot of powerlifting and he's a big dude. And he was telling Evan and I a very similar story about him tearing his bicep. And he ended up having to go through like four different separate reconstruction surgeries. And it's been a long kind of painful process for him. He's sounds like he's pretty much on the other side of it now, but he said the same thing. He said when it happened, you know, it was, it, it didn't hurt that much, but he was at one point he was going through his, uh, his physical therapy and, it happened again, or at least something else happened. I, I didn't exactly follow it, but the follow-up injury, he said, was the worst pain he'd ever felt in his life. That initial tear, he said, didn't bother him at all. It's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah, I mean, I was really fortunate. Um, my, my, honestly, it's a blessing in the skies. My body needed a break. I've been running hot for a long time, and I've got America's Strongest Man in five months. It's pushing it a little bit, but I'll be ready. Um, but literally within like, I don't know, five, 10 minutes of posting that I had torn my bicep and I was out of the contest, like five different strong men immediately messaged me. They're like, Hey, you're in Pennsylvania. You've got to go see this guy. He's right outside of Philly. Like he's the man for this surgery. And he's worked on the Eagles on the Phillies. Like he's done over 300 bicep repairs in his, in his career. And he's a really cool dude. And I go in there too. And, uh, he didn't even order an MRI. He just watched the video of me lifting and saw my arm. He goes, oh, yep, there it is. <laughs> and does a basic hook test in his office. And he goes, yeah, it's, it's torn. Um, and so, yeah, and a lot of times, too, like his approach I, I really loved because a lot of times they'll be in a sling or a cast for like six, eight weeks. He was like, no, I want you 
out of your sling day one. Um, and a lot of times they'll go in like through the bicep itself. He doesn't. He cut me open in the forearm. And he goes in that way, um, brings the tendon down, reattaches it. And then that way I have full range of motion immediately. I mean, day one, I was doing the full lockout. Um, you know, I was bandaged up for almost two weeks while the, you know, while the initial wound, it's a, it's a good, you know, three inch incision while that healed up. But, um, yeah, I mean, I felt great right away. Like, I mean, it was sore obviously the first couple of days, but, um, right now it feels good. I mean, it aches at the end of a long day. It aches. Uh, my wife thinks I'm trying to do too much with it. So I'm still doing yard work around the house and this, I'm trying to be careful. Um, but the problem right now that I have is my arm feels so good and so normal that I'll go to do things without thinking that you just normally do like reach down and pick up my son who's 55 pounds and I go to lift. I'm like, Oh, oh nope, <laughs> not yet. I uh, can't be doing that. And so I'll get to the end of a day. Like I did a lot of weeding, mulching, just getting stuff ready today out in the yard, working in the garden. And it's, it's a little achy. It's just, you know, it's not pain. You know, it's just kind of a dull, I'm aware of it. Other than that, it feels really good. I'm just eager to get back to training. I'm training legs like three days a week right now, super hard. <laughs> get those calves big. Dude, I know. My calves <laughs> went to my traps. Um, I, I'm training my calves, but I'm, I'm my. what's crazy is uh, I've dropped 20 pounds in the last six weeks. Um, part of that's intentional. I'm just trying to hit some health PRs right now. I'm doing a lot of cardio, um, and uh, and I'm feeling good. Like My sleep is the best it's been in years. My blood pressure, my heart rate, everything. I mean, I, I look, my blood work, I look like an athlete, which is great, and I'm uh, – even though I'm 20 pounds lighter, my, my squats are flying through the roof. I just hit a 700-pound box squat the other day, and it felt effortless. That's crazy. Like, it was so fast. You watch the video. It was, so, it was like, did you try? <laughs> you know, so I'm like, I'm just pounding the volume, so my legs are feeling, like, ungodly strong. So I'm just going to keep pounding that for the next six, seven weeks, and then when I can start loading this up again, you know, then it's time to put the weight back on and get ready for America's Strongest Man. Hell yeah, that's stoked. I'm, I'm excited to, I'm hope. Well, we'll see how it, it pans out with whenever Carolina pops, but because she's due yeah, exactly that's right, into that's August, right. but it, you know, if it's earlier or later, or whatever, we'll figure it out. But I'm gonna try to come down and, and watch you compete. Yeah, that'd be awesome. It's in Texas this year, so that'll be good. Yeah, that'll be fairly easy. Where in Texas is it? Oh man, you would ask that. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's fine. I'll let you know. I, will, I, can, I can Google it, but yeah, definitely uh, probably get Garrett and uh, Caleb out there too. Oh, that would be great, man. That'd be great. We'll paint See, up from... and uh, do a bunch of cheers for you. <laughs> That'd be killer. <laughs> man, I'm, uh, I'm doing everything I can to heal it up. I'm taking a lot of peptides. BP-157, TB-500 are really good for speeding up the healing of that. So I'm taking, I'm doing everything I possibly can to speed it up. So That's what Caleb kept telling me to take for mine. I was like... I got to be careful, obviously, with the army and stuff. They're still pretty sure. draconian on the what you take and what you don't. But they should be okay with peptides. Um, with like TB five hundred and BP one five seven, you're totally fine. They're not banned substances. Okay. They're now they're for research purposes only, and the FDA has not approved them for human use. Um, but the FDA takes five hundred years to approve anything. But uh, except for the COVID yeah. vaccine. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha Yahtzee. that's gonna happen uh, in like uh, a couple months <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly exactly so anyway <laughs> yeah you're spot on man but no peptides are great uh so they're not banned substance at all i mean you can 
you can get them anywhere. The, the thing that you have to watch out for, obviously, is that you know you're getting it from a good source because people are out there being shysters and wanting to rip people off. But um, peptides, when uh, when used well and from a good source, really have a lot of great physical benefits and stuff like that. So, yeah, I'm running TB500, BP157. You know, um, it feels good. So so far, so good. That's awesome. Yeah. It- it sucks that it completely detached, but in some ways I think because it remained whole, you know, they can you can just reattach it. It's not yeah. quite as much try to quite as traumatic to your. I've seen one that just like it looks like it just tears in half, and it's immediately Dude, just awful. just fucking black and blue from the internal bleeding, like. And that, um, I've had that happen. So three years ago, I tore my pec. And or my pec minor, and I bled out. I was all black and blue down here. That sucked. <laughs> and that and it was crazy because that was a muscle belly tear that hurt badly. Like that was a lot of pain. I was bench pressing. I hadn't bench pressed 500 pounds raw yet, so I was benching 500 in a slingshot, and I wanted to get it for three. And two weeks later, I was going to try it raw. And on the third rep, I go to press, and it literally in my ear, it sounded like someone just did a zipper. It was like, and I could literally just feel like it just tore. And I mean, that hurt, that sucker hurt, but this bicep, man, it was just, it literally just felt like this weird sensation in my arm of a rubber band snapping. And I just, I'd lost power, you know? Oh man. It's going to, I haven't squatted yet. I'm going to probably squat it probably next week uh, since I tore it. And mine wasn't a bad tear by any stretch. Like it's feeling pretty good now, you know, five, six weeks later, but just like, there's like some level of like concern, like it's a head case, you know, like. Having that much, for me, it's a lot of weight, you know, it's 485 or whatever. Having that much weight on my back and then having that thing just like, because it it felt like two twigs snap. It was like, pop, pop. And I rolled it off. Luckily, I bailed correctly, fell forward and immediately looked at Pete and was like, dude, I I mean, I was like, I I tore it. Like, you just knew. And then I'm going to ask you afterwards because I was kind of hoping like maybe something, but yeah. And it took, the other thing was it, it didn't bleed for, I didn't have any bruising for a while. But because of where it tore, I, had to, I talked to my PA about it. She was like, it's going to take like three days. And sure enough, three days later, I had a massive bruise on the, the back underside of my uh, hamstring. Well, I mean, in your case, like it's almost it's almost kind of lucky for you that it was a muscle tear rather than a tendon because you, obviously you didn't have to get surgery. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm, like I'm very grateful it was a muscle tear. Yeah, because a belly tear, as long as it's not a full tear, you probably had, what, a grade two tear? Yeah. Yep. I've had a grade two hamstring tear and that sucks. And it bleed out, bled out down my calf and stuff. And it put me out of commission for six weeks. So I was hobbling around, you know, I get around with it hurt. Um, yeah. If it was a tendon rupture, you'd be in surgery. Like there's no other way. Yep. You know? So, so it sucks. Like for me, I got no pain really, but you know, surgery and I'm out of the game for 12 weeks. Whereas you had to deal with some, you know, some discomfort and stuff, but it didn't fully take you out. Yeah. It wasn't too bad. And luckily with like, I mean, I was literally leaving to go to the National Training Center four days later. So, man, just be you'll be fine. Just be careful on your scale back up. You know, yeah. Start with body weight or light light goblet squats, high volume. Get that blood in there. Yeah, I've been doing. I did a lot of. uh, Actually, I did some squat. I did some sandbag squats. I was doing like sixty, eighty pounds with the sandbag. Doing some like some you know uh, squat cleans and some different. I was doing. I even did some box jumps. I just wanted to kind of test like the explosiveness and it. Honestly, it feels good. It was really sore afterwards, but kind of like what you were talking about, sore. It's not like that hard pain. You're just like, I probably did a little too much, but it's fine. So I'm trying to balance it. I've been doing a lot of bike 
yeah. hitting the assault bike and just trying to get it keep, get the blood flowing. Vitamin C, keep your vitamin C really high. Um, you know, super high vitamin C, super high protein. Yeah, you'd be good to go. Yeah, I've been getting a lot of protein. That was something like the army doesn't feed you like slabs of meat when you're in austere conditions. You're getting like MREs. I mean, you've probably eaten MREs. Yeah. That's like all we oh, yeah. got. And so that was just craving just like whole chunks of meat. That's all I wanted. And so <laughs> yeah. Since I've been home, I've been hit, eating a no lot of meat. in your freezers. Yeah. When we got, <laughs> we did uh, for the baby, the gender reveal, we did, uh, I had antelope, wild pig, venison, and then be- two uh, skirt steak and then ground beef for tacos. And like a oh, whole man. spread. It was awesome. That's killer. That's awesome, man. So when, when did she do again? Uh, August 27th. Ooh, that's awesome. Yeah, man. Stoked. Uh, getting really excited. So she putting you to work yet? Like you figure out where the nursery's going to be and all that stuff? Yeah. So right now my cousin, Emily, it's actually Perry and I is both our other aunt's kid. Uh, she's living with us right now, but she moves out in June. And so her room's going to become the nursery. And so like behind me right now, I've got boxes upon boxes of baby shit just piling up in my office. And yeah. so I get to sit there with a little Allen key and put it all together. Oh my gosh, that's the worst! All that IKEA crap, dude, yeah, it's terrible. I move, don't envy you. Whenever you go to move, you just destroy it. There's no way I'm taking that shit apart. Uh, uh-uh. uh, can't pay me the dollars. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's gonna be terrible. It's just it's the perfect thing for a military household to have all this little fucking shit. <laughs> Is your wife gonna make you like paint the room uh, multiple colors and stuff? Uh, uh, she has. She wants to do like... one of those like accent wallpaper walls. Yes. I was yep. just getting ready to say it was ridiculous. Like she had a whole theme and each wall was like different. There were two colors. There was like for our daughter when she was born, there were like two shades of pink and two shades of gray on all four walls. So like everything was down. I'm like, are you kidding me? Seriously. And then I got it backwards from how she wanted it. She wanted like the dark wall on this side. I'm like, well, that's the way it's fucking staying. <laughs> really change, it, change it right now. You paid yeah. it. I don't think so. You paint it. Hand her the paintbrush and tell her to get after it. <laughs> yeah, let me know how that works out with we'll C. I was gonna say. Oh shit. Say. Oh man, real quick, let's uh, let's do a quick pause here and uh plug our favorite mortgage lender. So as everybody that's listening knows, uh Casey Burns is the official mortgage lender of the Hunt Lift Eat podcast. Uh, he's one of my great friends. I've known him for going well on ten years now. He's best friends with his uh, older brother when we were in college. And he's been a close family friend ever since. He handles all my mortgage needs. He's handled all Perry's, all Evans, Andrew, John. We recommend him to everybody, honestly. And he does an absolutely phenomenal job. He does anything you could want. Uh, If you want a primary home, vacation spot, investment property, or you just want a little market update on what's going on right now with interest rates and kind of where he sees things going, just give him a call. He'll be happy to sit down and talk with you. You can call him at 919-710-1864. We can reach him at email at casey.burns at primelending.com. You can also check out his website and all his reviews at closewithcasey.com. So, Anthony, uh, you got any plans for hunts this fall? Well, actually, I'm really excited because normally the fall is um, competition season. And so, like, ASM last year was uh, November 6th, so the second week of November, like right in, you know, right in rut up here in Pennsylvania, which always sucks. And it's been that way for the last eight years. But house it falls in September this year, so my plan is uh, I don't have anything official lined up, but I have the entire uh, autumn is off 
from competition season, and I'm looking forward to it. I plan to spend a ton of time in the woods. Hell yeah. So I'm really excited about that. Yeah, I don't have any formal plans lined up, like I said, but um, this is the first time in eight years where I don't have a competition in October or November. So I'm actually pretty stoked about that. Um, it's going to be good. That's going to be awesome. We'll definitely have to – obviously, my schedule is a little up in the air with the youngin' on the way, but sure. we'll definitely have to get you back out to our deer camp. Absolutely. And, and get you a freaking deer this year because last year was just weird. Uh, it's all good. And you guys, um, yeah, if you guys go down there and do some work or something this summer, let me know. And if I'm free that weekend or something, I can help you guys out. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we'll, we'll – I may not be able to make it, but Perry and Evan will probably definitely be doing – depending on Evan's deployment schedule, doing a work weekend out there prior to the season, getting everything ready to go. So I'm sure they'd yeah. love to have a big, big strong man to help move some, some firewood or something. Yeah, man. So long as it's, we're like, so long as we're talking like mid July, I've got both arms, um, <laughs> you know, fully functional. Yeah, um, sure. Who needs yeah, a tractor when you get Anthony? Off. Say what? So who you needs the tractor when you get Anthony? Yeah, man. He just hooks something around my waist and tell me to start walking. I mean, hell, he snores like a tractor, so. (laughs) That is accurate. Uh, Yeah, so the only thing I'm bummed about right now is normally I shoot my bow all the time, year-round. I haven't haven't shot it, obviously, since I tore my bicep, and I probably won't for – I probably won't start shooting until July, which is way later than I like to. Um, Of course, nothing opens up around here till uh, October, so not a big deal. But in Kentucky, uh, when I lived there, they opened up first week of September. So July is definitely late. Yeah, I'm, I do miss being able to, when I was at Fort Campbell and I could hunt both Kentucky and Tennessee right there on the border. That Ooh. was definitely the setup. It's awesome. Yeah, and then I, except, I got in-state well, to both states. The only thing that sucked, though, man, is September in Kentucky is still like 90 degrees and 100% humidity. Oh, it's just miserable. Just covered in mosquitoes. Yes, it's just like hunting in Georgia too. I mean, at certain points you're just like, do I even want to shoot something right now? Like it's Dude, 98 degrees ago, out here. Two years ago, I gut shot a deer opening day, like 90 degrees. The sun's starting to go down. I'm on my hands and knees, just dripping sweat hours finding this stupid thing. I'm like, why did I take this shot? This sucks. I hate my life. <laughs> yes. And then, you know, sometimes you need those hard lessons day. to teach your patience. Yeah, but you know what? I get home at like 2 o'clock in the morning. I'm like, this sucks. Totally out there the next evening. <laughs> yep. Right back at it. It's a fucking drug, man. Oh, yeah, man. And you got to be a little off to enjoy it. Uh, same thing with Strongman. You got to be a little insane to put yourself through some of this stuff. I uh, I wanted to deadlift. Obviously, I can't use this arm to deadlift. So I reached out to my buddy who's an adaptive athlete. He's competed in World's Strongest Disabled Man. Well, apparently, they make these straps for people if you're missing a limb. So I bought a strap uh, for my size, customizable for me, as if I were missing my left arm and I used it this past week and like deadlifted 315 just to kind of try it out. It's good to go. So uh, this Hell week yeah. I'm going to do some, I'm going to try and do some heavy ass rack bulls, get back in the seven, 800 pound range, you know, with this strap hanging off this shoulder, this rigs up so I can hold on with this hand and this strap holds so I can at least train my back and stuff. So I'm going to be back to deadlifting. <laughs> That's awesome. I mean, that's a hell of a way to adapt and like keep after it and keep prepping for ASM. Dude, this kid, this I said kid, he's probably older than me. This guy is inspiring as hell. He's got one arm and he's loaded a 300 pound stone with one arm. Okay. Right. He benches 275 with one arm. 
balances that sucker, poof, brings it down to his chest, right back up. I tried to do that the other day with a hundred pounds. I'm like wobbly. I'm like, what is this? I could do it with a dumbbell, obviously, but I'm like, I can't balance this. Like, how did he do this? And he's got all these videos on Instagram. It's it's nuts. That's wild. Yeah, he's a he's a savage athlete, man. Loads like a 230 pound natural stone with one arm. Like I'm just watching these videos. I'm like, all right, man. Well, I got no excuses. I got to get back after it. <laughs> you know. That's crazy. It's like uh, the Team Extreme guys. Um, they run the Spartan races and the Tough Mudders yeah. and shit. They'll do it in a full kit and gas masks, but they're all like WMPTs. There's one dude who's a f- uh, what is it when it's three? It's not quadriplegic. Whatever. He, he's lost three limbs. Yeah. He's got one arm, but both legs like right at the fucking hip, and then his other arm uh, above the uh, right at the elbow, and like one of the other dudes will throw him on a, in a bag and carry him. But then when they're doing any of the like upper body events, he's got like a little hook that he'll hook on and we'll still do like the monkey bars. We'll still climb. Like That's it's crazy, awesome. man. Like it's like some inspiring ass shit. Oh yeah, it is. You see that and you're like, all right, well, I'm not having any excuses anymore. Who was that one armed wrestler that just won recently? Oh yeah. yeah. I know you're talking about. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? I can't remember his name, but I'm watching this guy wrestle with one arm. Like, how do you, you know, it's got to be, it's inspiring as hell. And, you know, he's like, you know, D1 or D2 wrestler. It's got to feel like shit being the guy that got pinned with a dude with one arm. Yeah, but for it's sure. But awesome, inspiring as hell watching this guy go out and get it. Yeah, it's definitely worth, like, taking a look at those guys and, and gals. I mean, there's some, some badass female like, oh, yeah. and stuff out there, too. But, like, looking at them and just being like, man... I definitely don't have an excuse to sit on my ass today. I should probably get out and go fucking do something and be grateful that I have both my legs. Right. No, 100%. Um, and I'm sure you've seen it. The dudes shooting archery with their teeth. Yeah. Like, more accurate than me. <laughs> like, <Yeah>. okay. <laughs> well, I suck. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I, should, I should keep practicing. When I was in airborne school, which was like, fuck, back in like 2011, I was a cadet. And, uh. I remember one of my jump masters, like one of my, the black hats, the instructors, he was, you know, he was sitting there with a the prosthetic, you know, as a, an airborne instructor. And you're like, man, this is, I mean, granted, it, it, it's not the most physically taxing job in the world, in, in the world, but like still the fact that he's out there running every day, jumping out of airplanes, like still getting after it when he could have taken right. medical retirement and gone and sat on the couch and gotten paid, you know, $3,500 for the rest of his life. He's like, fuck it. I'm going to keep doing it. It's right. badass. There's another SF guy that, uh, same deal, amputee. And then he got back to the teams. Like he was on uh, ODBs, which is the Bravo teams, but still like, he was like, fuck it. I'm not out of the fight. I'm still going to do it. It's badass. Yeah, that's awesome. That's super cool. Yeah. I love seeing guys like that. Just continue to get after it. Super inspiring. Yeah. There's a story of one guy, he, he actually had his foot, uh, but he'd got, he gotten blown up and he's having a series of infections and a bunch of surgeries and they're having to continuously go after and just right. reconstructive. And there's all this stuff just going wrong with the foot. And finally he was like, fuck it, take it. He's like, I, I can't do my job right now in this, but if you take the foot, I can put on a prosthetic and do the job. And that's what he did. Like had him amputate his foot threw a prosthetic on, learned to walk with a prosthetic. And that's something we all take for granted is like how easy it is to walk. Like you're like, Oh, you got a prosthetic. Like, no, they get like sores, they get a, a oh, yeah. massive amount of chafing, like infections, boils, like all this stuff, because all that pressure on that one spot. And then they have to learn how to engage all those different muscles to engage the uh, the prosthetic. Yeah. It's it's crazy, and it, it's a it's a whole nother battle other than just losing the limb is to actually learn how to utilize that prosthetic. Right. Yeah, man. It's 
yeah, I'm very thankful. You know, when I when I consider you know my injury, I'm like, man, it's nothing. Fine. It's nothing. Yep. Few weeks. I mean, I'm I'm still fully functional. There's nothing I can't do. I mean, I just gotta I gotta be careful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> you can't overhead press. You know. 350 oh no. <laughs> no sorry i can't you know because because you know that you need to be able to overhead press the only thing i've run up to around my house right now is so we live in an old uh, it's like a the house is great with a lot of land and stuff but it's kind of a it's like an old farmhouse and we need to add some central air we don't i have a twenty thousand btu air conditioner that goes in this one side of the house and uh, i just can't lift that right now so i called my dad and brother-in-law and i was like hey i've tried to figure a way i can't do it <laughs> y'all gotta come over here this week and help put this in for me, but you know, there's nothing else around the house. I can't do, you know, been doing a lot of stuff, getting creative and doing it with one arm. I changed the, um, changed the brakes on my truck with one arm. That was actually a little stupid because I did that the day after surgery. And that's pretty uh, dumb. Well, getting everything, it was fine. You know, I have all the tools and stuff, got ratcheting wrenches and all that. Like it's cake impact gun, like nothing real heavy. Like, but the moment that I realized I fucked up was when I had to lift the tire back on. I'm like, Oh, that sucks. And, you know, you're trying to line up the logs. I'm like, oh, it's also like one of those, like, why things. Like, you work for yourself, buddy. You could have given yourself another day off and just done it the next day. I know. I know. <laughs> I heard while I was driving, and I heard the, I heard the grinding. I'm like, what is that? I had, well, I had a stuck caliper on the one side. His pads were, they were fine. And then this, this one side was worn down. And I knew what it was. I was like, I just got to deal with it. And I was, like, tired of just sitting around for a day. Yeah, I guess I'm that. like, well, we're, we're getting it done. And it was fine. Like I said, I did everything with one arm, jack it up with one arm, impact gun. How hard is that? Even pulling it off was kind of not a big deal. But then um, once I go to put the tires back on, I was like, I screwed up. (laughs) It sucks. It was really sore. I was really nervous. I'm like, don't pop off. Don't pop off. (laughs) Oh, man. Well, shit. We're uh, a little past an hour here, but definitely stoked to watch your continue to watch your recovery and then obviously see you compete in ASM and crush it out there hopefully you're gonna fucking crush it and win again yeah man that's the goal uh there's some fierce pros man that that have come up uh young guys it's hard to believe i'm like one of the older older pros so there's like two that are older than me um a lot of younger guys like 26 27 so i just gotta go show them old man strength yeah man (laughs) my old man used to always say old age and old age and treachery overcomes youth and vigor every time so yeah it's true there's uh (laughs) two of my favorite Two of my favorite uh, guys, though, two of my favorite pros, they're, they're both Army dudes, and uh, they're freaking savages, man, because they just don't, uh, like, like you guys would excel in anything where it's just a matter of who can take pain longer. <laughs> so it's like everybody here, I mean, you guys can, it, it would suck for you, but you could pick up a 300-pound rock, and then the question is, well, you walk until you can't anymore. Yep. Well, you guys have been put in scenarios like that so many times where that's just a mental game just hold on and walk a few steps further like strength isn't really the thing unless you're that weak that your upper back maybe can't handle holding that stone but without a doubt those guys win all of those types of events you know of events so uh you know it's always fun competing against them because it's 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 the mental game yeah you can always take one more step always exactly exactly right and they uh, they leverage that because they usually do really well in any type of endurance type feet it's like ah oh, shit i don't want to go up against justin against this you know or whatever the case might be but yeah i'm going out there to defend my title so i'm gonna give it hell hell yeah well shit man you got any closing comments um uh, not that i can think of man i'm just excited i'm excited to finally be able to hunt this year <laughs> like hunt a lot you know and actually give myself 
um, time to to get out there and and get it done. So I'm excited about that and still do what I love with Strongman. Everything just fell in line this year, so it's good. Yeah, that's perfect. And I'm stoked to get you back down to camp. And hell, I mean, we'll see what it looks like for your schedule and then my schedule. But might even have to talk about a Colorado trip or something. If we That'd got be awesome. Tags available out here. Absolutely. Let me know. I'm all about that. Yeah, for sure, man. Perry, what do you got? Yeah, really appreciate you coming back on, Anthony. I'll definitely hit you up. Evan and I were actually chatting the other day. We might try to organize a couple off-season work weekends up at hunting camp. A couple of team members have reached out, and we uh, we kind of talked about that, maybe having some team guys up for deer camp this year. So we'll keep you in the loop, and you definitely definitely love to have you down. Um, and even if not that, definitely get back down for deer camp and see if we can't get get one on the ground for you this year. No, that'd be, that'd be a blast. I'd love to come down. Um, yeah, just let me know, you know, the, the sooner you guys have like a list of weekends and stuff, that'd be cool. Cause I can work my schedule around it. Um, I usually end up pretty busy, but that's just things come up. So if I know ahead of time, then I can, you know, put it on the calendar. So. Yeah, absolutely, man. Definitely. will do. Where can everybody, uh, follow along with all your exploits and your training and your rehab, Anthony shenanigans. Yeah. Um, so mainly, uh, Instagram is where I'm super active. It's Anthony one Oh five K pro strongman. Um, I'm on Facebook too, but that's kind of a dumpster fire. Nobody wants to go there. <laughs> Instagram's the place to go. I actually check my messages and stuff. I'm a disaster at checking Facebook messenger. So I would just say Instagram. Hell yeah. Well, as always, y'all, you can follow me. If you want to check out my personal stuff at luke.d.cox, go to the hunt, lift, eat page on Instagram at hunt, lift, eat official. And then check out all of our merchandise and everything we got going on at uh, huntlifteat.com. We've got a bunch of new stuff in the works. The uh, We just dropped five new hats. The gym line is uh, in the works. We're getting some product photos taken, and we should be dropping it probably within the next month. And then we've actually got two new uh, hats in the works that are going to be uh, turkey camouflage. They're a little late. My trip to NTC kind of delayed uh, some of the product development. But we got a ton of stuff coming, and we've got even more shit on the horizon. Anthony and I have some stuff in the works. And then Perry and I, hopefully, next pod are going to have a pretty big announcement for you guys. So definitely uh, check out that. And as always, leave us a rating re review. We appreciate the hell out of you. Thank you guys so much.